Good morning, everyone. If you can hear the sound of my voice, we're going to get started this morning. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here today. Um, this is our Simple Church setup. Welcome to Hill City Church, if this is your first time. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite, probably my favorite, um, times that we have for service. And um, it's just a really intimate time with God. And we call it Simple Church because we just make it real simple. It's just you and God. So we always say, whatever you need to do to find that time with God this morning, then then get there, get to that place. If you if you want to just sit, if you want to stand, kneel, walk around, whatever you want to do, don't miss out on the opportunity to spend some quality time with God this morning because, you know, we've set the tone, we've set the atmosphere, and we've on purpose made a date with God. So in this time of worship, we just invite you to um, not let sitting in a, in a different way uh, make you become complacent and make you um, be distracted. So as we pray this morning and, and get started, um, just really focus in on, on God and what um, he wants to do today and uh, just spending time with him. God, we just invite you into this time today, Lord. We invite you into this place. God, everything that we do is for you. So we just, we, we focus in right now, God. We hone in on who you are. We hone in on your presence and just spending time with you. God, we've come to seek your face today, not your hand and not whatever th that you can do just in exchange for us, God. That's that is just far beyond on top of the blessings that you give to us, God. We just want to spend time with you. We just want to spend time just wrapped up in your arms today and just having you hold us, God. We invite you in this time and, and we go into this day expecting, God, that we're going to be changed and that we're going to learn something new and that we're going to just walk out of here forever changed and forever different. Um, we thank you for this day, and uh, I give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to get started this morning. All of your uh, words are in the bulletin if you need them. So go ahead and stand with us today. Show. 
Lord, even in a time of praise, I can just, I sense, God, your presence in this place. Lord, you're just so awesome. There's nothing that we can say, God, that will ever just encompass who you are. Lord, we just come to give you praise today. That's all. And this time we just lift your name and we worship you today. Just for who you are. Not for anything that you can give us, anything that you can do. We just sit in your presence. We just sit in all of who you are to give you praise today.
Give God praise. Lift your voice a little bit. Man, that was good. That was good. Just the voices worshiping God. You guys can be seated. What a good Sunday. We love simple church around here. It's just simply our voices and just our worship to God. There's, there, there doesn't need to be much to worship God. There doesn't need to be much. There need, doesn't need to be all this stuff. Back in the day, they would just sit in a home and it would get so crowded in that room and they would fill it up and just tell stories and, and speak of what God is doing. Speak of what God is doing. And I, I, I want us to get to a place where we can do that, where we can share what God is doing in our lives. And uh, as the ushers uh, come forward, we're going to uh, give of our tithes and offerings. But I want to read you something that continues uh, to go with our, our theme of worship. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Sometimes we worry about all these things. We do. And I was, uh, and we're going to go into it in just a little bit. Just like, how many of you guys feel like you guys are in such a hurry in life? Anyone in a hurry? Right? Most of us are in such a hurry that we can't even enjoy just, just moments with God. We can't, we can't even enjoy worship time because we're waiting for the next thing to happen. All right, John, hurry up. You're talking too much already, you know? We can't enjoy just the little things of God's presence because we're in a hurry to get to the next place. And then we miss out of where we are in life. Isn't that crazy? We, we always want to, you remember when you were a little kid, you wanted to be grown up? And now you're grown up, you want to be a little kid? I feel like that's the truth of life. We're in such a hurry to get to the next place. And once we get there, we're like, man, I missed out in that, that moment. I missed out in that time of my life where... Remember when you didn't have a mortgage? Remember that time? Right? When you didn't have payments and stuff? You're like, man, that feels good. Some of you are like, I'm with Dave Ramsey. I don't have a mortgage. Like, to you, I say, shut your mouth. I'm just kidding. That's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. You guys are, well, you guys are awesome. But I was just thinking, like, how important it is to enjoy every part of your life and not be in a hurry. Some of you parents are like, I wish my kid was the next age of life your kids are three and they're they yeah when you're three years old you're crazy that's where that's what you are sorry if you're three i apologize he's like it's like i forgive you there's one guy landed's like i'm three but i'm just saying when you're three you know when you're in that stage of life you you wish your kids are another stage of life but then you miss them being three isn't that crazy then you miss them being don't be in a hurry in the presence of god don't be in a hurry because God wants to speak to our hearts. And he doesn't want us to worry about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Sometimes we're in a hurry and we don't even know why. We don't even know why we're trying to get there so quickly. I want you to enjoy God's presence. Enjoy each other's company. Enjoy each other's company. I know you got to stick to your kids like pattern, like I... You know, we're like, oh, kids have to be down by 7 o'clock. I'm like, geez, no one's down by 7 o'clock. But uh, sometimes we break, we're in like a deep, we're in a deep conversation. And they're like, I'm sorry, I got to go home at 7 o'clock. And I get it. But sometimes we miss out on some deep conversations or moments in life where we're going deep in that moment. We're like, sorry, I have this and that. And sometimes, man, make the sacrifice to just go deep. Make the sacrifice 
to just just really like engage in life. Really engage your neighbors. Don't just be a fake neighbor. Be a real neighbor. Don't be. Don't do fake worship. Just lose yourself in it. Like listen to Eminem. Just lose yourself, right? And and I feel like, man, we need to like, we need to get to a place where we're not in a hurry in the presence of God when He wants to do something in our lives, when He wants to speak to us. Some of us we need peace so bad, and I'm telling you, this is the place you get it. This is the house. The words of God will bring peace. I don't know how it works. In, in sometimes it just it just does. I can't give you all the answers. Man, God does His thing His way, and we just have to be there and to say, God, do Your thing. I'm okay with waiting here for You to speak to my heart. So today, as we seek God first and His kingdom and His righteousness, all that means is that we want to know what's on God's mind. And everything else that you're worrying about, it will be set in place. It always has been. When when has it not? When we trust in God, when has it fallen apart? When we trusted God, He'll always be there, even if it's the last moment. We're like, it didn't go perfectly as planned. And I know you guys are some of you guys are Type A. You're like, it has to go like this. And God's like, I'm gonna mess you up. It's gonna go backwards. And you're like, ah, right? But I'm telling you, God has your life in control. Be okay. Of letting go and giving your life wholly to God's plan, and that's what we do in our living, in our giving, in our singing. Man, worship like like you're in the shower. Like you just don't even care. You don't even care. Like just worship in that way. You are worshiping for the audience of one. You only care about that is your God. And when you worship in that way, I'm telling you, God. Floods your life with His presence. He, that's just how He does. He doesn't want you to worship in a way where we're sitting back. I wonder what, man. I wonder what they're thinking. Or man, just lose, just lose it, because you are worshiping God. We get the opportunity to worship God, and that thought alone should just amaze us, man. But let's pray and let's、uh, run into this thing, and we are excited. We're excited, Heavenly Father. I just thank you for everything that you are, God. And that's and the first thing I said is Heavenly Father, God. I pray we understand who you are as Father and who we are as your children, God. That we are your children, that we are loved by you, Lord God. That you would sacrifice everything, just like we would, for our children, God.、And、I pray in the name of Jesus that we would accept the identity that we find in Christ as sons and daughters of the Holy, Almighty, loving. Peace-giving, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, "Amen, Amen." Please,、uh, as that passes around, we have a couple of things coming up. Next week is Baptism Sunday, so we have a lot of people being baptized, and and it's going to be an amazing time. But if you are being baptized, come next week at nine thirty. We're going to have a baptism class, and we're going to teach you what baptism is, what it isn't. And、uh, so, please get there. Make sure you bring a towel, a change of clothes,、um, and、uh, bring your friends and family. Baptism is a time of telling people who you are in Christ. It's telling people that God has all rights over my life. That's what baptism really is. Sometimes we, you know, we most of the time people get baptized at church. Back in the day, they got baptized like at, like at the in the Jordan River, which was like being baptized downtown, right? It's like I want everyone to see 
that my life is Christ. That's what baptism really represents. That's why I want you to bring people around you so that they can remember the day that you were baptized and that you gave full reign to Christ in your life. That's what baptism really is. Amen? And we have uh, the following week, we have baby dedication. So if you want to ba- dedicate your, your little baby, uh, please come and uh, sign up. And uh, you, can, you can email the church. You can, you can sign up in the lobby. But we have baby dedications the following week, and we're excited about that. We love dedicating babies, and it's dedicating them and their families. That's what we're doing. And that following day, we have Hill City at the park on the 21st as well at 5 o'clock. We meet at the Northern Lights Ball Field. And we just have a blast. And uh, you most likely will get wet. The kids will get you. I try to run from them, but then the adults got me. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who is there. Who uh, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about it. I was, I was there minding my own business. No. And then uh, th- someone had a plan for everyone to water balloon me. I thought I was different. Nope. Nope, I was in the eye. I was the target. But it was, it's such a good time where we just spend time together, have fun together. I believe that having fun and laughing till your stomach hurts is absolutely spiritual. Like we, lo- we think spirituality is like looking sad all the time. Like, look, look how sad I am for Jesus. Man, I am so sad for Jesus. God, do you see how sad I am? It's because I love you. Like, man, learn to laugh. Learn to laugh so strongly with people that you love and as we become family and i believe uh that's what it is so uh for the first month so we are on month two as hill city church for the first month yeah give god praise man i'm glad you're sitting in that section i I thought that was like the cursed section but there you are there you are but for the first month of Hill City Church, we did a sermon series called We Are Hill City. And it was all about the pillars that we want to set up from the very beginning of our church of who we are and who we want to be. And uh, the first week we talked about encountering Jesus, that we, uh, we believe it's so important to encounter Jesus. And if you missed any of these messages of uh, who the pillars of what we believe and who we want to be, just catch up online. You can catch up on the Hill City app. You can catch up on Facebook, on Vimeo. You can now go to our website, myhillcity.org. That went live two days ago. Thank God, right? And thank you, everyone, who helped me uh, put that together. You guys are amazing. Uh, but it was, it's all about these things that make who we are and the vision going forward. And the first thing was encountering Jesus. I believe and we believe that people need to encounter Jesus. We do. It, that, that church is not a place of just listening to information, but that God wants to be encountered. His peace wants to be encountered. That people need to be encountered by the very presence of God where you know he's there, where you're like, I don't know why I have peace in this moment. Why? I don't know why I have joy in this moment. It's because God is in the room. It's because God is in the room, and he wants to be known, but he wants to be experienced, just like Moses experienced God with a burning bush in a, in a straight, and God does it in such a strange way. We think God's going to do like this, and God's like, I'm not going to do it like that if you think I'm going to do it like that. I'm like, all right, and I'm going to, you know, you try to figure God out like that. He's going to show up exactly this way, and sometimes well, when we're type A and God has to show up exactly this way, he doesn't show up that way just to mess with you. And he shows up in a way where you didn't think he would show up. And you're like, oh, I see. I see what you did there, God. 
I see how you spoke to my life in, in hard moments. I see how you spoke through my children. Last week we were, we were, um, we were in, the, in our circle. The leaders were in the circle. And uh, uh, baby Layla runs across and yells, Daddy, and runs into the arms of his father. And I was like, that's what worship is. In a moment, uh, bam, right? I was like, ooh, that was better than what I was going to say all day long. <laughs> I had this good thing down, but God's like, uh, baby Layla's better than you, John. <laughs> and she just ran yelling, Daddy. And I was like, ooh. And I said, that's worship. That's worship. Don't miss the moments where God's speaking to you, where he wants to be encountered. And he will speak to you in the, in the little ways, in the small ways. And it's God with us, empowering us. Number two, building family. We believe that, uh, that Hill City is a family more than just a church. Church, they, the word church somehow became a building. Actually, uh, I'm not going to the history of it. Uh, but it, it was a German word that actually turned, was, uh, that meant the building church. I, I think it's called a kirke. And, and somehow we took that because the first word church uh, was the word the family of God, the people. And somehow the people, as we institutionalized church, the people became a building. And, and, and when it says that Jesus loves his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it's not talking about a building. Who cares about a building? We're in a cafetorium. God's talking about you when you link arms and do this life together and believe together and walk together. You will not be shaken and the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Because God is with you, and you're linking arms together, and there's power in linking arms together in Christ. We are family. Say, we're family. And I don't want you to just, I don't want to do church family like I grew up. I understand church family. We're like all nice, and we're like, did you see what they're wearing? Right? Yeah, I don't want us to do church family that way. I want us to do church family like we really, like brothers and sisters in God, that it's, it's a serious thing to be family it is right and I, it's crazy because we think that faith is this personal we've been taught yes faith is a personal relationship with jesus but you can't do faith without community faith is not has never been a personal relationship jesus it's always been a family a communal relationship with jesus you do faith alone you get weird i'm telling you, you get weird it's always been communal and you can't hate Jesus' kids and say, oh, man, I hate the church, but I love you, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. If you told me, John, I love you, man, but I hate your kids, I'd be like, I hate you. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. You can't hate the thing I love most and say, man, I, I want to hang out with you. I hate your kids. I'd be like, no, get, get out of my home, right? There's something in you that rises up. And imagine, that, and, and I hear it all the time, I love God, but I hate his kids. It, man, you can't say that to God. You can't say that to a human being, right? Imagine saying that to God. It does not work. It has to be done in the context of family and loving one another. We need each other. As iron sharpens iron, one man, one woman sharpens another. We need encouragement. We need places to be vulnerable. And I talk about this. We, we are so transparent. I'll tell you what I think. And you went like, oh, I'm just being transparent, Melissa. I'm just being transparent. I'm going to just tell you what I think. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go deep enough with you to be vulnerable. Because you know why? Vulnerability is weird. Like, it hurts. 
but God is take, wanting us to take to a place deeper than transparency, just like, this is what I think. I just, I just want people to know what I think. I'm like, dude, you're, you're a wuss. That's why. You don't want people to really get into your business. You don't want people to really speak to your heart. You just want to tell people what you think. That's a totally different place. That's not what God is asking of us. God is asking of us vulnerability, which is, well, 100% of the time, be odd. And you're like, have you ever been, like, in a, in like, uh, with a bunch of, uh, like, in a group setting, and, like, everyone's, like, faking it, like, we're doing good, and we're doing good. It's like, uh, and then the one person's like, I'm addicted to drugs. You're like, oh, oh, okay. And then the next person's like, man, I've been, I've been, I've been, watching porn on the internet and then the next person like one person can break that fakeness well i'm gonna catch on fire um yeah talk about fire of god right but one person breaking through vulnerability sets other people free to be who they are to it sets free their souls and we and somehow we've been fooled to do church without vulnerability to do the family of god to not really be family we just want from an outside perspective. I don't want you guys to be outsiders. I need us to move to not only be transparent, but vulnerable in Christ, to be honest, to be broken, to eat together, to cry together, to laugh together, to vacation together, to have authentic relationships in God. Don't stay outside. And if no one invites you in, man, invite yourself. Invite yourself. Go. Go to a group. Go to a place. Say, you know what? I'm going to take you out for lunch in your face. I don't care. I'm asking you. I want to know who you are. I want to know your story. Be bold enough to be the church and not just play church. And number three, geez, I'm talking long already. Find purpose. One of the greatest roles that we have as a church is to help people find and realize their purpose. Because when you find your purpose, when you find your gifting, man, it just lights you up. Like you, you feel like this is what I was meant to do. And you know what? It is. It is what you were meant to do. Imagine if Jen was doing tech back there and making graphics. We'd be like, Jen, your graphics suck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You'd be awesome. But can, can you imagine if she wasn't leading musically and moving musically, if that was like her gifting was to, move, to lead people in worship and, and she's sitting back there and doing graphics instead? And, and can you imagine if one of the graphic guys were leading worship? You're like, go back to graphics, man. <laughs> Can you imagine if Caleb was leading worship instead? You'd be like, dear Lord, pray for that church. That's just how it goes. We got to do our gifting. We got to move the way God made us. God formed us. And when we're moving in our gifting, it just feels so natural. It's so beautiful. And there's fullness in it. And we want you guys to find purpose. But before you can find your purpose, you have to get over your past, your hang-ups your addictions, your wounds, your fears. Many of us, we carry deep hurts that keep us from moving forward. And we hesitate trusting God. We go, we go very, and I've seen it, they go to the very edge and they're like, I'm out. Because <laughs> it hurts too much. You don't want to do that again. And you know what's so crazy is that as we hold back from God, we were holding back this, this promise that God has for our lives when we're holding back. It says, that it's never too late to, who, uh, to be who you might have been. And we say that around here. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Man, the person that God has made you, it's not too late. The gifts 
and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's what it says in Romans chapter eleven twenty nine. Discover that. Discover that. And lastly, it was last week. It's called engaging life. It's called living missionally. You can say it all sorts of ways. Taking Jesus seriously is uh, trusting God with your life. I don't know how you want to say it, but, but it's knowing the grace of God, his love, his salvation, his blessing, his blessing, his love, what God has done in your life. You know why it dwindles and dries up? Because it wasn't supposed to end on you. See, it, see, God's salvation was not supposed to end. That's not the premise of the Bible, the salvation. I understand. The cross was the starting line for the restoration of this world. It wasn't the end. Sometimes we think when he's, he said it is finished, he's saying your sins are finished. I got you. You don't need to sacrifice anymore. You need to be in Christ. But once you're in Christ, there has to be that your life has to represent some restoration. you got to be good for this world. That, they, that you are a good, you're a catalyst of God's love. You're a catalyst of God's patience. You're a catalyst of God's goodness wherever you go. And we, are, we don't do that sometimes because we think it should end on us. That I should be the recipient of all God's blessings, all God's goodness. What God's doing, it should end on me. No, that's, that's the wrong state of mind. I believe for too long the church itself, because all my life I grew up under thinking that salvation was the end of the story. Like, oh, once I'm saved, yay, yay, God blew devil, you know? I thought it was, that was the end, right? And God's like, Jesus is like, oh, did you read the Bible? Like, did you read the rest of the story, how I'm going to restore this world and that you were part of the restoration process, that greater things will you do because I'm going to the Father? All authority has been given unto me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And I will be with you to the very ends of the age that God is with you as we obey and move teaching and doing the things that Jesus did. You want God with you in a heavy way, filling your life like you've never had before? Then take a risk and trust God with your life and go out on a mission like you never have before. Engage this life. Be a part of the restoration. Be a part of the restoration. So those were our four pillars. Encountering Jesus, building family, finding purpose, engaging life. And you will hear me say it over and over and over and over again. Because once you get there and people go through that process of experiencing Christ, finding family, finding their purpose, and then living out this life, man, that's going to be a beautiful thing. And I can't wait. And we're all part of it now, but I can't wait as more join in on the momentum, the movement of that God has for us. So why these four points? Why these four things? And it just comes down to one thing. And you saw it all, if you are on Facebook. It's just to be like Jesus. The whole point of encountering Jesus, becoming family, finding purpose, engaging life is so that we could be like Jesus. Guess what? That is the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is to be like Jesus. And I want you to be, I want you to be like Jesus and not just Facebook like Jesus. You with me? A lot of us Facebook like Jesus. We're like, oh, thumbs up, Jesus. Right? I'm, I'm living my own life, but here go. Right? I, I, I hearted your post, Jesus, on Instagram. Right? I gave you, I, I, now you can, I, I gave you a heart symbol on Facebook, and you should love it, Jesus. Jesus don't do posts. Right? He's not there trying to post something so you'll like it. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want your likes. He wants you to be like him. He doesn't want your likes. He wants you to be like him. First, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John 2.6. 1 
We celebrate the Word of God because the Word of God brings life change. And this is a simple verse that should rock your world every single day. I've been posting it, and you guys, some of you guys have been liking it. But I don't want you to like it. I want you to live like it, right? And it says here in 1 John 2, 6, Whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus did. Man, that's it. That's, that's the call of obedience. The call of obedience is not to memorize the Word. The call of obedience is not to just go to a group or attend church. The call of obedience is to be like him, live as he did. This is not a request. This is not an option, but the result of following Jesus. And if you have been following Jesus for years and you find yourself nothing like him, there's a problem. There's a problem. I know at church we don't like to talk about that like, oh, you need to change. No, you need to change. You need to change. There needs to be change taken in you. And if you have never gone that deep, I'm asking you, go deeper. Don't look outside and say, man, those people are crazy. Yeah, they're crazy because they believe their whole life belongs to Christ. And, it, and, and they're loving it. I've never found so much joy than to, to move in my purpose. It's, it's funny to just to, to be who I am in God's purpose is so fulfilling. I can't believe it. It's so fulfilling. We, Candace and I, we could have, well, when, uh, when they said, you, uh, do you want to quit your job, John? And you, I, was, I, I used to work with Paul Frank at uh, GHX, and, they're like, and Pastor Bo, my pastor at, uh, at Thrive Church, he was like, um, we have an opening for you. And I was, or I was like, all right. He was like, but what it means, and I'm not even trying to show off, but what it means is like, we're going to cut everything in half, right? We're going to start you out with not, you know, it and, and I remember talking to Candace, and she's like, I know you want to do it. <laughs> you, remember that? you remember that? He said, if you don't do it, John, then you're going to feel like for the rest of your life you missed out. So I was like, all right. So I remember in that same year, our, our finances changed by 70%. We're like, all right, this is how it goes. But you know what I can tell you from eight years ago till today? God is faithful. I don't know how it goes. All I know is God is faithful. And I want you to, and I'm not saying this so that you just, just quit your job and do whatever. I'm just saying it like wherever God's leading you, he's going to provide all the way through. Even when it doesn't look like it. Because uh, I complain the whole way probably. And he's like, oh, I'm going to take you the long road. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, who was Jesus? And I, I love this. And because we like to put Jesus in the box, right? We're like, Jesus is this, and he's, he's this way and that way. And Jesus is crazy. He's a paradox. He's not the way we think we are. He's an absolute paradox. He doesn't fit in our perspective because God's so much bigger than that. If God could fit in the way you think of him, then he'd be as small as we thought of him. Think about that. If God would fit in our perspective, oh, this is who God is, then he would be as small as we thought of him. So every time we, we try to think of him a certain way, he, he breaks out of it. He's like, nah, I don't want to be in there. He breaks out. And, and, and he's a paradox, and he's radical, he's complex, and he's all-powerful. Listen to this. Jesus is all-powerful, but yet walks in humility. He has access to all the wealth in the world beyond measure, but grew up in poverty. He silences a storm and demons, yet he lets people speak lies about him. He could have had the very best students, yet he handpicks uneducated, low-class, common fishermen as disciples. 
He heals the blind, but lets those with sight be blind. He is graceful to the prostitute, but yells at the religious. On the night he was betrayed, he washes the feet of the very person who would betray him. Religious men mock him, strip him completely naked, nailing him to the cross. Yet the only thing he screams out is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is Jesus. Very different from the way we think. Do you know him? Do you want to know this Jesus? Because to follow him really does mean that we have to change the way we see and change the way we live. We don't just add, Jesus is not an add-on. You don't just add him to the cart. He changes your world. He changes the the whole premise of your life. He's not an add-on. You can't just add Jesus to your life. We submit our lives to his. He is not an add-on. He is not an and-one. He is not, this is what I'm going to do, plus Jesus. No, it's Jesus plus whatever you're going to do. He has to come first. He's not an add-on. His heart, our heart. That's, that's, uh, that's my point. His heart has to be our heart. Our goal is to learn to be like Jesus, to have the same kind of faith, the same kind of love, that, and, and, and to live by different set of rules. Heaven's rules. Say heaven's rules. Heaven's rules. This is what I mean by that. In Matthew 5, uh, 43 to 44, it says, You have heard that uh, uh, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the norm. You try to be modest with your neighbor. Okay, I'm going to try to love my neighbor. And, but you come against me, I will slice you, right? And you, you've seen it, man. People get mean when you come against them. Oh, dude, especially church people. But listen to this. Love your enemy and hate. I mean, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, I'm going to flip this, Jesus says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Think about this message that Jesus is saying to a people who are currently under the boot of the Roman. These people are being oppressed by the Roman Empire under their boot. And Jesus says, take care of those who oppress you. Can you imagine how radical that message is? It's not as radical to us right now because we don't know what true oppression feels like. But to the Jewish people, they have been oppressed for hundreds of years. And Jesus turns around and says, love them, serve them. Serve them, love them. Think about it this way. And I, and it, and this, I did this in the John O um, version, right? And it says uh, in verse 46 to 47, What's so great if you love those who love you? Terrorists do that. If, if, if all your love amounts to, if that's all your love amounts to, God certainly is not involved. Or suppose you are friendly to your kind of people. So is the mafia. Think about this. Have you ever been generous to someone who insults you, maybe made you look the fool, and you're still generous to them? Think about that. Can we work without any gain for ourselves for somebody who openly hates you? Can we celebrate and, for, and pull for a coworker who's competing for the same job that you're going for? This kind of love is what Jesus is talking about. It's out of this world. It's completely different. It plays by a different set of rules. It's, and it's supernatural. How do, we, how do we get this in our life? And this is what, this is what I want to talk to you. And this is, uh, we need three areas to work on in our lives. And, and, and how do we get this? And, and then Paul says it this way. In Romans 13, 14, he says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning, just like you put on clothes, I hope so, right? Clothe yourself with 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to, man, just surround you, be in you, to walk with you, to clothe yourself every day with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Man, lift Jesus up, push yourself down, and say, whatever you want to do today, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Write Jesus a blank check over your life and say, whatever you want to do, God, I am in. This is a blank check of my life. So how do we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ? And I want to do it in three ways. And number one, this is a really fun one, accept everyday problems. Accept it. Breathe in, breathe out. Some, most of us, we pray, God, take this away. But I want you to accept it and say, God, whatever you want to do in this, use it for your glory. Instead of saying, take this away, say, God, give me strength through it. It's just a different state of mind. It's a new view. See, James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus live this out. And he says in his writings, and he says the craziest things, consider it, in James 1, 2, and 3, consider it pure joy. He says, think about it as ultimate happiness. Ultimate happiness to face problems of many kinds. Think about that. How strange is that? That'd be like, no, no, I don't want to think about that that way. James, in the message version, it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, de not uh, deficient in any way. It's a new understanding, trusting that even if we don't understand the why, that we are not in control, we understand that God is faithful. Whatever you want to do, I just want to be in on your story, God, even if my story is hard to get through. The truth is the only way, the, the truth is the only way faith can grow in our lives is through storms. I, I know you guys love to work out, but your muscles don't grow unless it hurts, right? It has to be not hurt, hurt, like you're going to injure yourself. So don't injure yourself. But you have to put enough weight on it that it's not easy for you, that you have to press through. If you, Franco loves to run. He's like, you want to go running? I'm like, no, because he runs from his house. He used to run from his house to church, and I would be like, Franco, how many miles is that? He's like, oh, it's like eight miles. I was like, so you just ran that this morning? He's like, yeah, yeah, I did that all day. He's like, why drive a car when you can run there? <laughs> and I'm thinking, why run there when you can drive a car? <laughs> right? But he would just run places. I'm like, you just, you, you run there? That's like, like eight, if it was eight miles, I'll see you tomorrow. Right? I'll see you tomorrow. But, but you got to push yourself to get to your destination. When you're running marathons, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would run a marathon. If it was easy, that, dude, I would be super yoked. I'd be huge, but it's not easy, right? So it, it's saying here, you're, you grow in storms, in the hardship, in the challenge, in the pain. Faith grows when it's stretched, when you're stretched. So if you have not been stretched, if you've been not going through very hardships, guess what? Your faith isn't growing. It's just not amazing right you could it, you think oh i'm growing through the good times actually you're not that's when you're resting in christ you're actually growing only when there's pain only when it's hard 
even when our children are growing, they're like, my legs are, it's because uh, it's you're growing. Like, this hurts and that hurts, and they just tell me, my legs hurt so bad. I'm like, that's good. The pain is what's getting you to grow. So number one, accept everyday problems. I know that in my marriage, some of uh, the memories that we have most are of hard times. Because when it was hard, we had to get closer to get through it. Isn't that crazy? You, th- you, don't, you don't remember memories of when things were just easy. Remember that time we didn't do anything? It was so easy. Everything was paid for. It was just simple. We never argued. You don't remember those times. You remember when it was so hard to get through, Candace, that we had to make some decisions, and we were eating ramen for a couple nights, and we just got married. We were sitting on the floor, and I had candles for heat. You remember that time? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the moments that are so funny to look back and say, whoa, we have grown a lot. You, you remember how you guys used to fight? Maybe you still fight that way. You're like, no, that's how we fight. But you guys used to fight a certain way. But as, uh, hopefully as you grow, you learn to fight a different way because you learn through it. Every moment, every event, you're learning to fight better. You're learning to fight right in your marriage. And that's what the James is saying. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance, you're growing. And that so that you will be fully matured. And I just want to add this in. If you can convince your little brother that you're God, you did something right. I can't convince my brother that I'm even nice. Right? Just imagine your little brother, like, convincing them. Guess what? Like, I'm God. James believed Jesus at the end of his life, after the cross, actually. Most of his life, James did not believe Jesus. He acts... Many times you read in the book of John that the family came against Jesus and they were like, Jesus, when are you going to be done with this shenanigan? When are you going to be done with this whole, this, this Messiah thing? Like, and at the end of James's life, he gave his life as a martyr, believing his big brother, Jesus, was God. If you can convince your brother, I'm telling you, he's God. I can't convince my brother nothing, right? Number two, consecrate yourself. Joshua 3, 5 says, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And, and, and we all want to do amazing things for God, right? Who doesn't? Who wants to do amazing things for God? I believe all of us in here like, Oh, yeah, I want to do some amazing things with my life for God. Isn't that true? Don't you want to do amazing things with your life? Right? And that's great. But the amazing part of that verse is God's job. Our job is to consecrate ourselves. You want amazing in your life? Don't try to do amazing things. Give God access and consecrate yourself. That's what Joshua did. He didn't go out and say, I'm going to do some amazing things for you, Jesus. He said, no, I'm going to set myself apart for you. Consecration is not going to church or going to a mission trip or tithing or doing devotions. These are all great things, but it's deeper than that. It's an understanding. Consecration is taking yourself off the throne of your heart and making sure Jesus is on the throne. That's consecration. It's saying all of you for all of him. All of you for all of him so that God can do something amazing in us. As we surrender, this is what you do when you surrender your life to God. We say, God, the ball's in your court. I try to control it. I try to do it myself, and I don't like it. God, I put the ball in your court. Now you take over. You do what you want to do with my life. 
And, and, and that's what consecration is, is a surrender of will. And if you don't hold out on God, God is going, if you don't hold out on God, God is not going to hold out on you. Think about that. If you say it's in your court, God, then he's going to do what he's going to do in your life. And it's going to be amazing, the Bible says. People are afraid, so they hold back just a little. I see it in worship. I see it in life. I see it in being authentic. But the opposite is true. When you hold back, you're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life. You think when you hold back you, 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 it, that you're going to hold some back for yourself. I'm telling you, when you hold back your life in worship, the person that's missing out is you. Listen, listen, listen. God does not need your worship. God does not need your worship. He does not need it. He is God. He has better singers than you in heaven. He, it is lined up, man. He has a bunch of Celine Dion in heaven singing his worship, right? And then we're like, God, you need my worship. No, he doesn't need your worship. You know who needs your worship? You do. It sets you free. It, it, it opens up the, the God capacity in your life. We need worship. God does not need our worship. God does not need our prayers. You need prayer. God does not need our fasting. God does not need our tithing. All these things we think God needs, God does not need. You know who needs it? You do. Because it opens up a world that is so different. That is the full life that Jesus promises in John 10, 10. I will give you life and life more abundantly, but it comes when you just let go and believe that I got it. Man, give God praise. And lastly is spiritual discipline. No one likes the word discipline. But it is the core word for the word disciple. You can't be a disciple without discipline. And discipline is all about your efforts. Salvation is not about your efforts. It's all God doing his thing in Christ. But discipline, to grow like Jesus, it takes your effort. Say, my effort. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 8 Today it says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you can't increase it unless you make efforts to work on it, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipline does not come naturally. And you can't hurry maturity. You can't hurry it. It, it, it. it comes when it comes, man. It, it, it happens when it happens, and you got to go through it. And life is so crazy. And, and one of the disciplines I want you to work on this week is solitude and silence. When's the last time you were just silent for like an hour? Sleeping, yeah. You probably were talking in your sleep, right? When's the last time that you just went out in the field and just sat there just in solitude? Just to reset. I got to go backpacking with uh, Paul and Mark and our kids, and the kids are nuts, you know. So uh, we were backpacking, and I just sat by the river for like an hour, just listening to the river for like an hour. And they were probably like, they're like, you want a sandwich? I'm like, no, I'm doing something. <laughs> I just wanted solitude. I just wanted the silence. I just wanted to hear just reset. And, and I felt such a peace in my silence. 
how can you know more of God when you don't even think about more of God? We're in such a hurry. Like, God, I'm doing my devotions. I give you 15 minutes. This is da 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 I'm giving you my prayers. It's a five-minute prayer. I'm done, God. How can you hear from God when we're in such a hurry? Some of the things that Candace hates, and I do it, is I, I go to Candace, and I'm like, I'm talking to her, and then, and then, then, then I'm on the phone, just like she is right now. Uh, oh, uh, oh, she's taking notes. Ooh, ooh, in my face. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's kidding. But don't you hate it when you're talking to someone and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. You're like, dude, I'm going through the hardest times of my life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, God is good. God is good. Pray to the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes we do that with God. God's trying to speak to us. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. God is good, right? Uh, oh, amen. Jesus in my heart. Man. You need silence. You need to be deep in thought about your faith. When's the last time you just thought about the goodness of God? When was the last time you just thought about being a son or daughter of God? What does that mean to you? Sometimes when you're just in silence and thinking about God, it, it is, man, it'll bring you to tears. Just the beauty of God's glory. When you look upon the mountains, when you look at, I look at my wife and I always tell her she's so beautiful, but just to think that God has brought her into my life is insane, right? Yeah, yeah right there. But she comes with baggage. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't amen me. <laughs> Dear Lord, you know what I'm thinking. You know my heart. Solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. Number two, in solitude and silence, don't be hurried in prayer. Don't be hurried in just waiting on God. Don't be hurried in your worship. And I wrote this quote, and it's not my quote, but it's by Dallas Willard. He says, we will come to an understanding that for the most part, our hurry is really based upon pride, self-importance, fear, the lack of faith, and rarely upon the production of anything of true value for anyone. Sometimes we're just in a hurry for hurry's sake. Anyone feel hurried this week? Yeah, I, I asked you, a bunch of us. Like, why? You're like, I don't know. That's just how I live my life. If you like living your life like, like everyone else, stressed out, anxiety through the roof, wound up, if that's what you want in your normal, then continue being in a hurry. Otherwise, trust God. Breathe. Just breathe for a moment. Just breathe. You, God is with us. How good is just that thought alone? You can think about that for days if you really wanted to. And I bet it would change your life. And I want to give you homework this week. I want you to spend 30 minutes in silence and solitude this week. You're, and some of you already said, I can't. That's, that's bogus. You guys already watched three hours of Jason Bourne this week. You know what I mean? You, you've been, you, you, you watch like six episodes of Netflix, and you're like, I can't. Dude, I can't is I won't. Sometimes most of our I can'ts is I won't. It's a decision of not doing something. Take 30 minutes of just silence and solitude. Turn your phone off, TV off, get away from people. If you need to just sit outside, sit in your car, don't talk, just ask God to speak to you. Ask for his peace. Meditate on the word of God. Read it. Don't just read God's Word. Think about it. Use, man, God gave us such an awesome brain, but we don't use it much. 
to think about God's Word. We want someone else to tell us what to think about. How should I think about this Word, John? I don't know. Think about it. God wrote it, right? Think about it. Think about it. Take some time, but it takes time. Then write down what you thought. In worship, I told you, be all out. Be an audience of one. Close your eyes. Raise your hand. Get on your knees. Be in the moment. Give God your worship because God don't need your worship. You need to worship the audience of one. Take a discipline, those things I, uh, those things I talked about, those three things, and make an effort to do it. Don't microwave God's discipline. No, microwave food doesn't taste good. You know why? Because it wasn't supposed to cook like that. Microwave Christians don't love good. They don't love well. They don't, man. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't know God in the deep ways because we're trying to microwave everything. And we, we Facebook everything. Everything's a tagline about Jesus. We don't know Jesus. We just know Jesus' taglines. I want you to know Jesus in his suffering. In his suffering. What did it mean to suffer on the cross? Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to just give your life for something, to be completely all in? And when someone slaps one cheek, you let them slap the other. You turn your cheek, not because so, you're so humble, but you want to save the relationship. That's what it means to turn the cheek. It's not that you, you just want to get beat down. No, you turn the cheek because you still believe that our relationship can be saved. That if you hurt me, I'll let you hurt me again because I love you enough, Brian, for you to hurt me that our relationship can be saved. That's what it means to turn the cheek. To listen to God's word and say, that's what that means, God. Sometimes we're so quick to tagline everything. Don't Facebook post crazy taglines. Man, really get into what Jesus is trying to say to us. Let's stand. We are five minutes over, but I want to pray, guys. The goal of life is to be more like Jesus. Like Jesus, not just like Jesus. Like Jesus, not like Jesus. If you bow, please bow your heads. If you're in this room and you just need to get right with God, you need to get G Jesus has not been, man, we have made, we've made him our, I don't know, our excuse, this, that, and the other thing, but you know your life is not his. Even you, Jesus is an and one, and you need him to be all. If that's you in this room today, I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, I need to reset. Thank you. All over this room, thank you, thank you. I need to reset too. Sometimes I'm more worried about being a pastor than being a follower of Christ. God, let us reset our hearts. I pray for everyone who raised their hands, and I pray that we come to the altar of God to repentance as much as we can, because repentance shouldn't be a strange moment. It should be a constant thing in our lives, God, to say, this is an area that I need you in, God. And I pray for everyone who raised their hands, Lord God, for a, for a refreshing of your peace and a, and a recovery of what you're doing. I pray for new life in their heart and in their spirits, God. New life in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of us, I pray we commit to giving 30 minutes to discipline this week, starting with silence, and just being alone with you, solitude. Just be here today, God. Just take a moment. Speak to our hearts, God. Let us not be in a hurry, God. And if you've been in a hurry with God, you don't need to raise your hands. But ask God for forgiveness, God. I've been trying to do things so quickly. Hurry for hurry's sake. And for what, God? 
for the lack of peace, for more anxiety, for things to go so crazy. I, God, I pray, let me just stop and think on you. It says in the Word, whatever is noble, think on these things. Whatever is good, think on these things. Whatever is love, think on these things. I pray, God, we think on those things. God, we ask for your peace. And this week, we're giving you 30 minutes of our time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Get to know somebody. If you don't know someone in this room, ask them their name. Give God praise. Thank you guys for your time. And I'll see you guys next week. It's going to be celebration time for baptism. Bring everyone out. It's going to be a good time. God bless you guys.